All right, Haima Black, I am here in Lincoln Park. I'm outside in the, I don't know if you would call this a beer garden or just the, you know, drink garden, but we're outside of Golden Dagger. I am here with Donnie Biggins, the owner of Golden Dagger, a spot that's really blowing up in Chicago these days. How are you doing? Great. Thank you very much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me, man. I'm really glad we were able to do this. You know, we're going to talk all about the great work you're doing here in the room at this venue, um, but... For people who are kind of lifers in Chicago who are maybe older like me, you know, we knew that this space used to be Tonic Room. So for anyone who maybe hasn't made it in yet since the pandemic has started to die down, they remember this as Tonic Room. What makes Golden Dagger different than Tonic Room? There are some physical changes right away as you approach the venue and and walk up to the venue that when I kind of started thinking about doing these projects and once I was in the middle of it, it no longer felt like Tonic Room and that was kind of a big driver to kind of rethink the brand and and the concept. But, you know, the the big differences are a, a brand new stage, a new entrance walking in. In the Tonic Room days, you would walk in and it would be, you'd come in and hit the door staff and then have to go to the right and swing this door open and then you'd have to shimmy past everybody uh, to get through to the bar or, or you know get past the stage and uh, so we eliminated that door and and we rearranged the stage so you no longer have this like interruption for the performance I think that's a, a crucial thing that I watched happen hundreds of times in tonic room and I always kind of fantasized about changing the room um, into a more more venue-like atmosphere and uh, and not interrupting, uh, you know, the performance on stage with the door opening or some type of interaction right in your face, you know. Um, well, and also it feels very open in there because you've got this great open window that faces Halstead here right behind the performer. And I'd imagine in the summer when it's not blaringly hot, that's probably got to bring like a really nice breeze and just bring some nice circulation into the room, right? Yeah, the window was kind of like a uh, a recovery covid plan to get us open to a, a space where we could allow service again and and once those windows are open um it does have like a full open air vibe uh you know the airflow is coming from the west you know through the east of the building and out the you know the side window that also this window was boarded up forever and I didn't even know like how beautiful it was. Um, it was behind plywood. I knew there was a window there, um, but you know, I never thought about utilizing it in any way. And now it's like kind of a very important piece of controlling our airflow of the space. Yeah, I know. I think it feels great in there. And the new concept, Golden Dagger, uh, that opened in April. To me, just like looking online, it feels like it's really been embraced. I see a lot of people very excited about it on social media all the time. Like for you as the owner who's here every day and, you know, you see the interaction and the energy inside and on site, like does it feel like it's really kind of caught on with people in a short amount of time? Yeah, I, I think we're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of support from familiar faces and a lot of new faces uh, through the doors. And everyone has seemed to be pretty excited I would say our, our staff and, and myself included was just very excited to have kind of a new project, something new and exciting to work on in 2021. I think that's important to have this new energy to help bring us back to life here. But that ultimately, you know, has been uh, tons of neighborhood folk coming by for coffee. 
that we would never ever serve. Um, you know, we would never interact with a lot of these neighbors that that we're seeing support out of. And a big, you know, a big part is having a new talent buyer, uh, Zoe, handling our calendar. Zoe is young and, and part of a DIY Chicago music scene that you know are in their early twenties. And uh, you know, I, I don't think I'm I'm too old. I'm 34, but I've been around for a while and and. Uh, you know, I don't know all the new bands and I don't know all the new faces. And, and so I think that's kind of a good thing for us is that we have, you know, this new and older Chicago music scene collaboration happening here. Well, and along those lines, I was going to say, you know, it feels like Golden Dagger has been one of the rooms that has been very active, like right out of the gate as restrictions started to lift in the city, as the vaccine effects started to really you know as we started to be like oh wait shit great this works some of the other rooms you know that are established in chicago are just starting to open up now we're recording this in july or they're in the process of opening up soon which is great you know no shade to those rooms but i mean you guys have been doing programming for a few weeks few months here now so what went into bringing any kind of events back here when things were very uncertain in like late spring one important thing about golden dagger that has been part of my overall kind of mission of this space and something that I've longed for is a more of a community space where we are not restricted to, you know, a specific genre, specific type of music, um, specific type of performance or art. We've been really driving inclusivity of, of everyone in the Chicago art world. And so some of those early on programming that we were working on, we weren't doing any music. We were offering, you know, different art classes and different, you know, we had a, a drum lesson outdoors and we had, we've had acting classes. We've had all these different types of events. Yeah, I feel like I've seen like, yeah. you know, a lot of DIY stuff, like record fair stuff. And yeah, you're right, not just traditionally like an actual musician performer, on stage, but other type of events that really connect to the community. But there's still live events, which was, you know, not a common thing even two or three months ago. Right. And I think the big, literally having these bifold windows that open and, and allow this airflow of the space, it's like, it's this little market. And that was uh, right when we opened, that's what, that's what we were working on. You know, we were selling local vinyl and all local artisan crafts and doing Saturday markets. And we're still doing the Saturday markets you know, and though those have lost some energy because other spaces are open, it's still our intent to provide the space for free for people to use, you know, that are in some type of creative field. Well, you know, along those lines, one of the things I thought was very interesting when I was doing the research is there was a recent tweet maybe from a couple weeks back. I'm going to read the tweet. Uh, this is the quote. Artists keep 100% of every single ticket they sell at Golden Dagger. It is not the responsibility of the performer to pay for our employees or our rent. That's our job. That's not maybe the opinion or the policy of every room in the city or, or in the country. As a venue owner, what made you want to take that stance, especially at a time where certainly artists are hurting, but also venues are certainly hurting? Sure. I have felt somewhat like this pretty much the for the majority of my professional career in Chicago music, where, you know, I've worked many a shows in my lifetime and my career where artists have driven a certain amount of people and it's been like a three band bill. And 
and they did work hard on it and you know their numbers didn't cover production costs and they walk out of there with nothing and those are sad moments as a talent buyer as a venue manager whatever my role might have been uh then and and today is i've always had an issue with uh not paying people i don't like them coming to a space that i invited them to and then sending them away with nothing it is extremely unfair in my eyes and ultimately artists were horribly affected by the pandemic just as we were um but our business is mainly driven by the artists on our stages so i feel that it's most important to be taking care of them as if we're taking care of our employees you know and and i think that we have a small enough space where our our staff is is a smaller staff and my expenses everything has still seemed to have increased since before the shutdown but you know i think this is a a fair option for every artist to have and uh and it's deserving. We profit off of what happens at our, our venues, and uh, to cut in on that, to me, is not fair. Well, you know, I mean, I don't have to tell you this, but for anybody who's listening who has not produced any kind of event, live event, live music, whatever it is, events are fucking hard. Events are so, so hard. And again, I know you know what I'm talking about better than anyone, but, you know, I've produced events in my day, you know, and you could do everything right. You could have the best lineup, whether it's a panel, whether it's a, a concert with bands and, and DJs and whatever it is. But if the weather's bad that night, or if suddenly something better gets announced on the other side of town that got announced two days before, and you've done five weeks of booking work, and then, you know, maybe six weeks of promotion work, and then you show up that night, and then no one comes out. And it's a terrible feeling. It's terrible for the talent. And you're right, like when the venue owner, the promoter, the talent, anyone and everyone involved has done work for weeks or months and then no one leaves with any money. It's a pretty defeating feeling, you know? I mean, I think we've seen that in Chicago again and again, why so many bands that are great are not able to, you know, who don't hit that like Fall Out Boy level just aren't able to, you know, sustain it here because events are hard. Yeah, they are. Um, and I think that's kind of been part of this reopening plan is like a slow build out of live music right because what events events are hard and and they're going to be hardest right now and what i see happening in our city specifically is that you know we have all these venues that are all kind of opening at the same exact time and they're all reaching into the same pot of talent and trying to fill their calendars nearly every single day with talent right and what we're gonna run into is that not only are we creating competition again against each other which we haven't had in a long time but there's not going to be people to play all these shows or to make each single one as successful as maybe you would think it would be yeah because everybody's i mean we're seeing that on the on the kind of national scale too where it's like all the festivals got announced within five weeks of each other and they all got put together last minute and some of the festivals, you look at them and you're like, holy shit, this whole, every single band on this bill is amazing. And other festivals, I won't name names. You look and you're like, what happened there? And it's rough though. Like, and I'm being snarky, but at the same time, like everybody's reaching into the, to the Halloween candy basket at the same time. So there's only going to be so much left if everybody's going in at once. It's like the pinata's been broken, right? right? And we're all running to get the candy in a way. And that's like... And that right there is even more reason why artists should be paid. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, God, artists have been hit. And again, everyone's been hit this last past year and a half, but it's like artists certainly not being able to tour. And we've all we've heard the last decade in any South by Southwest talk or any article about the music business is like touring is the last space where artists make money. And then to have a year and a half off the road. Yeah. And I'm not a musician, so I'm empathetic, but I can't, you know, I'm not in the space where that's been affecting me. Different note, though, something else that's interesting because, again, you know, I was here back when it was Tonic Room, and it was very much a bar, which is nothing wrong with that. But something that sets Golden Dagger apart is, in addition to cocktails, there's also a focus on coffee. What motivated that? So the motivation of coffee, I would say two motivators. The first is that two of my former staff, Matt DeWine and Billy Giannopoulos, started a coffee company called Skylight Coffee, which we you know, which they came out with uh, in May 2020. And I became a fan of the coffee early on and, and wanted to support them and basically have committed to drinking that now for like 14 months. And mainly because I like it. And then, you know, as this uh, reopening plan started to develop, I talked more and more about providing them an opportunity to, to serve that coffee out of, out of the space. And, you know, the second big driver is that I haven't drank alcohol in a long time and I am a big fan of coffee. And so I feel like it's important, you know, to be working in something that I'm like feeling passionate about and uh, and a safe product to sell to people. And uh, and it makes it makes me happy to to have this space where I can come and get a coffee. I also th- I think we're seeing a, a bit of a movement just in general where not everybody like I think people want more than al- I mean, certainly people love drinking, but I think people want more than alcohol options at the places they go now, whether that's kind of like a high end water or, you know, a, a really great quality coffee or, you know, tea or, or whatever the option is. But it's like I think people also or even mocktails like me personally, I don't drink. But, you know, I, I don't mind going with my friends to bars, especially if it's like a cool bar, you know, if it's not just like. A lot of bars are boring, in my opinion, but I don't drink. But, you know, if we're going someplace like here or like Maria's in Bridgeport, like that's a cool environment. I don't mind hanging out there. And if I can get a mocktail that like kind of looks like a cocktail, it's a little fancy, but it tastes good. It's not just drinking water or a flat Coke. I don't know. That's kind of cool. So I'm not surprised that there's a reception for that right now. Yeah. And that that was a, a big push, too, is just developing options for people and being a non drinker in the last on and off for a few years those options are very restrictive and ultimately what it leads to is that I don't want to go out and I don't want to do things or I don't want to have an duels and you know I'm just not interested in that so it's more of just providing people with with options and when you do provide them with options you'll realize that people enjoy that and they'll buy the mocktail and they'll drink uh, mineral water or you know they'll they'll drink these other options that you provide you know and if you're a capitalist and worried about your profit margins like you know you can figure that out too to to make it successful people Um, will still pay money for coffee they will i mean they will pay money for coffee and they'll pay money for a mocktail because it looks good and it tastes good yeah absolutely you know something else that's interesting about your work is that you're also the talent buyer at fitzgerald's over in berwin so how do you balance that between, you know, because I, I would imagine each one of those roles is a tremendous amount of work in and of themselves. But how do you balance your work here at Golden Dagger and your role at Fitzgerald's? Well, I don't want to grade myself right now on that balance because <laughs> it's been very difficult. I'm sure. Um, yeah. 
but a lot of it has always been, you know, I'm, I'm like a calendar nerd. I love filling the calendar and memorizing the calendar. And my job as a talent buyer is to fill calendars for spaces. So how I manage that, you know, I, I typically work mostly out of Fitzgerald's uh, during the day. And with the addition of bringing on Zoe to be our talent buyer and our music curator here, you know, we've been kind of going through a training process of that, um, which has been difficult because I'm not as available as I should be uh, to be doing a better job of that type of training. But I'm constantly working. And, you know, I have three kids at home. My wife works. And I also work for the venue in Aurora, um, which is a listening room that kind of has similar acts to Fitzgerald's. So it, it all makes sense for me when I'm, you know, looking at a band's routing and things because it's a, it's a big city in itself. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, how do I manage it? I'm not managing it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that sounds, that sounds, look, I don't have nearly half those roles. I work from home and I have two cats. And there are days where I'm just like, how, you know, like, this is too much. And what I just described is not operating out of three different venues in three different parts of the Chicagoland area with kids. And I mean, that's, yeah, that's got to be a lot. Yeah. And it's like, I just like to try to get it all done as fast as possible and, and, and pay attention to it. And I really think that staying sober from alcohol and, and keeping a level head has a lot to do with it. I'm available every day and, and I, I am you know, maintaining a healthy lifestyle. And I think that that helps me achieve, you know, a lot of these uh, goals that I have right now. And, uh, and also here at Golden Dagger, like part of my goal is to, you know, slide into like the ownership role where I'm, I'm responsible for some like general management things. But then I have, you know, I have my staff learning and training and, you know, they're going to be fully operating this venue under me, you know, like soon enough and, and we're going to get there. And, uh, and I'm really excited about that. And, and I feel like once that has happened, then a lot of my, you know, day to day work here will be, you know, kind of diminished a little bit and, uh, and I'll be fully concentrating on Fitzgerald's and, but we'll see, there's lots going on and I'm still booking events here. And, you know, I feel like I'll always book events at, golden dagger so yeah yeah well and you know final question here because i really appreciate the time and you know just hearing you talk about all the different roles that you are serving in the chicagoland music scene and the fact that you've been a lifer here you know so i teach over at columbia college i mentioned that a lot on this podcast but the reason i bring it up is because the class i teach it's a freelancing class we have a mix of students every semester it's not just what you know it's not just comedy students or photography students it's all different artistic concentrations every semester i have two or three students who want to work in live music, whether it's for Live Nation or opening their own venue or whatever, every single semester, every year without fail, there are students who are like, I want to work in live music. That's my passion. You've done this. You know, what advice would you have for any younger talent or maybe not even younger, but just aspiring talent who want to work on the venue and operational and booking and live side of the music space? I would encourage anyone that is interested in working in live music, especially independent venues, to stick with it and not, this is not an easy job. It's not, it's not even, you know, you think like you're just throwing parties 
And yeah, I, I think that they their yeah. mindset is they're like, and I'm going to date myself. I'm sure it's someone different than who I'm going to name. But they're like, look, I just want to be backstage fucking drinking champagne, doing blow with Drake and Skrillex. And again, somebody younger is going to be like, bro, you're so old. That's not even who we're envisioning. But it's, you know, they think that it's just backstage at Coachella all access. And that's 99% of the job. And that's, if you're lucky, probably 0.2% of the job. <laughs> yeah. And, that I, you know, it's like there's tons of communication and email and office work. And, like, that was, like, an eye-opening experience for me working at House Call Entertainment over at Subterranean and Bee Kitchen. And that's where I started. And I worked door. So, you know, I would book an event. And then I would work door for the shows that I booked. And that allowed for me to start meeting more artists, meeting more people, networking while I was on the clock, things like that. But, you know, I've, I've had a lot of people kind of come and go that have worked with me over the years, the majority of them being performers themselves. And they just find it, you know, they'll, they'll be like, I don't want to do all this email. I don't yes. want to. I don't want to organize this. Con- I don't want to advance these concerts. I've heard that so many times from different, you know, creatives starting out, and it's like, look, nobody, nobody wakes up and is like, yay, email. It sucks. It's fucking tedious. Yeah. But so much of the tedious work is what sets the machine in motion. And when you have something that really activates as an awesome, incredible event, and everything goes right, that's not by accident. It's a lot of tedious, smaller, incremental steps that get you there. Yeah, and it's like, and if you're kind of building a successful venue, that's constant, right? You have to be prepared for almost, you know, six nights a week, seven nights a week. So you're, not only are you planning far in advance, but you have to be ready that day. And so that preparedness, you know, there's tons of lead time and organizing that happens. And then that's when you get to like share a video, you know, when it's sold out and you're like, right, we executed the dream right we and it looks easy plan. for a minute but yeah. you know you're exhausted you're like this wasn't <laughs> fucking easy no yeah absolutely um this is incredible i'm so happy to see the success here at golden dagger and it's really it's really encouraging and has been for you know the last few months to just see like chicago creative community and arts and culture have a place to really kind of come back to life and get off zoom in the city and and meet in real life. So I'm really glad that this is happening. Congrats on the success of the venue and best of luck with this going forward. Donnie Biggins from Golden Dagger. Thank you so much, man. Thank you very much for having me.